without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, if you seek the Lord with all of your heart, you seek the Lord with all of your diligent. In other words, you're like, am I seeking the Lord? Is this from my heart? You just check up on it. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. This is in the middle of the, what we call the Great Faith Hall of Fame. And so I'm going to have to open my uh, electronic Bible here because I have some highlights in here that I don't have in my regular Bible. Let's see, I'm already in Hebrews 4, so let's just scroll down. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, when you pray, you're redirecting your attention and your expectation and your confidence and your vision towards the Lord. So we're going to pray right now. So I like to pray before I read the word. And I do it personally, not just in the pulpit, because it puts me in the mode to receive. When I don't know what to do, I, I know what to do. I pray. Right? Does that make sense? When I don't know what to do, I've been there so many times, I know what I should do, and that is to pray. The Lord will answer you. The Lord will surround you like a shield of protection, like a shield of peace, like a shield of mercy. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. That's a pretty bold statement, but pray about everything. Right? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will, I love the Amplified, it will flood your heart and mind. You could be in the midst of a lot of challenges, in the midst of, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden you're like, I know what to do. I don't know what to do, but I know what to do. And what I will do is give this that I don't know what to do about, I'm giving this to him. So you could be standing there in the midst of that and somebody's like, what are you doing? He said, I'm just standing in a flood right now, a flood of the peace of God. Well, it takes faith to do that. So by faith, in other words, by believing that he will take your cares, you can give them over to him. So, uh, I was at that uh, church in Michigan for like nine years. I was associate pastor. And so we had like 7,000 people a week, average attendance. So in that auditorium, maybe we have 3,000, 3, 4,000, I don't know. We have multiple services, so sometimes 2,000. So we had time for a prayer uh, in the worship time, I think. So people would come up to pray with you. And if there was one request that was like the most common request that, that people would have, it is... I'm so worried and I don't know what to do. 
Like, worry, worry, worry. So every one of us must learn not to carry worry. Fear is a type of worry. Worry is seeing your future without God being involved in it. Like worry, you get this picture of what's going to happen without God being involved. Okay, so, so what you do is you go to the Lord. He is, you know, David said, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him do I trust. Uh, so this is all in preparation just to pray so that we can get to the message. So I believe God, uh, father, one of my fathers in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, he said every pastor ought to pastor supernaturally. So in other words, uh, he said, I, I'd know people's problems before they came and the Lord would tell me about the problem and the answer. And so we're not just given a talk or a lecture, but we make room for the Holy Spirit. So if he draws my attention to certain things, uh, then that's where we're going. Because I am not running this thing. In fact, I was with some pastor friends this week, and I, I thought everybody, you know, knew this, but I was telling one of my friends, you know, uh, from Michigan, actually, and uh, I said, uh, I don't know how we got to talking about it, but I said, you know, the Lord had to deal me for, with me for a few years to get me to pastor. And the way he finally got me to, you know, I said yes, and then I'm like, I don't know about this. So the way he finally got me to just, to just commit is, do you know, not manipulative, but sometimes he slips up on you. Like David committed adultery, had the man's husband killed, kind of made it look like it was other people's fault, but, you know, he told him to put him at the front, and, you know, because the woman he committed adultery with had gotten pregnant. And, and so... Um, In order to help him see, the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to David. And, you know, gave him an example like about little sheep, little lambs. And this person had everything they needed and they went and stole the little lambs. So he knew, he knew David's personality like your personality, my personality. How dare him! You show me who this man is. I'm taking him out. <laughs> He said, uh, that man is you. Oh, I love it when the Lord does that. Because it just, it just gets your attention in a way that you just wouldn't have it otherwise. You're like, it's like shock, awe, revelation, and humility all at the same time. <laughs> and so, um, so the Lord... You know, I, I'd, I'd been what I called a second for, I don't know, like many, many years. And so I'm just like helping the lead pastor. And, and uh, I felt very uh, comfortable and fitted in that place. And so I said to the Lord, are you sure about this? You know, I said, I said, I'm a good second. And he said, OK, you can be a second. And I said, then I was a little bit like, well, wait a second. I thought I was supposed to be a pastor. He's like, you can be a second. I was like, 
really? So yeah, you could be a second. And then I kind of felt relief. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I all these thoughts, you know, I, I, I miss, I, I really thought you were calling me to pastor. I must have missed it, but it's kind of a relief not to have to do it. And about long enough for me to have some of those thoughts, then he said, you just be my second. And then I was like, you tricked me. And then it got worse. Because then I started to think about being the Lord's second. And I thought, who in the world did I think I was that I would pastor without being the Lord's second? Anyhow, because he said, literally, he said, you be my second. Because I, I had gone into some detail because I can be kind of detailed. I said, you know, a second, I'll just go to, I'll go to whatever pastor it is, ask them what's the vision, and I'll grab hold of that, and we'll fulfill that. And he said, that's fine. You be my second. You come to me and you say, what's your vision? And you go and you put that into place. And then, I, I mean, it was like, it's just like the Lord. You know, like correction and revelation all at the same time. As I'm like, well, I guess I was a pretty much prideful person thinking I'm just going to pastor without the Lord. Like, what did I think pastoring was? <laughs> so... Uh, the Lord knows, man, that he is weak. You know, and he, will, he will work with you if you let him. But you have to let him. And then he'll help you. Well, I didn't get that answer because I was just like thinking it. I, I was praying about what he had called me to do and what he put on my heart to do. And as I continue to pray and, and seek the Lord, you know, then he gave me direction. So, you know, and then we would have... Uh, I would have such amazing uh, prayer times when we first started the church here. And uh, I get in the pulpit, and they're like, seems like no anointing. And so I, I asked some of my friends, like a couple of pastor friends, and I said, uh, what's going on? They said, well, just, you just got to preach by faith. And I thought, well, I kind of know that, but I probably am missing it, you know, but I've endeavored to do that, you know. But it just wouldn't satisfy me. And so I asked my wife, and uh, she said, well, honey, She's, she's so positive. She said, well, honey, just look at it this way. You could be amazing in the pulpit and have zero prayer life. And you'd just be a fake. I said, okay, that's good, but it's not really helping in the services. And so I couldn't get away from it. And that's how Kenneth Hagin was with Mark 11, 23 and 24. He read the verse, the Lord put it on his heart and he said, but I just couldn't get away from it. I kept reading it. He said, he said, some nights I must have read it a thousand times. And so I kept seeking. So I'm talking about prayer right now because we're getting ready to pray. And so I kept seeking the Lord about, you know, not really flowing in the anointing and the services like I did in my prayer time. And one morning the Lord spoke to me. So this is in my prayer time. The Lord spoke to me. He will speak to you when you pray. If you listen. Well, he'll speak to you a lot of times even if you don't listen, but you're not going to hear it. <laughs> uh, isn't he good that he, like, uh, works with your ignorance? Uh, and so he spoke to me, and he said, you are too logistically minded on Sunday mornings. Those are the words he said, too logistically minded, because that's how I think, I guess. I would, those are the words I would use, so that's... He used words I can understand. You were too logistically minded on Sunday mornings because I had been a second for so long in ministry and that was my responsibilities, all the details. So I would come and 
uh, would come to set up and I would be like all the details. So uh, that's why from that moment on, I try not to be involved in all the details because I don't preach as well if I'm involved in all, on a Sunday morning, if I'm involved in all those details. I only want to know emergency stuff and, uh, you know, I'm happy to minister to you before service. If you need ministry, I prefer after the service. But I really don't want to talk to you before the service about the sunset or the sunrise or like, you know, the new car, the new house, or the new bike. But I'll talk to you about it afterwards. But I don't want to get in a, I want to stay in the flow, right, that, that, that ministry mindset. So um, I said all that to say, let's pray. Because... Prayer changes things. And the biggest, one of the biggest things that prayer will change is your heart. And it will change your heart or open your heart, is probably a better way to say it, so that you can receive the seed of the Word of God. Because the seed of the Word of God will produce after its kind. So sometimes the answer that we're looking for is deliverance from the situation, but the answer that the Lord is giving is a seed of life that will reproduce after its own kind and will cause the deliverance and cause the change. Because what you want in your flesh and what I want in my flesh sometimes is, Lord, you just come and change it and fix it. And he said, I have given you authority. You stop it. If you don't stop it, it won't be stopped. Well, if you don't change your mind, you will not stop it because you're waiting for him to do it. And he said, I I delegated that to you. You have the power. You have the authority. But you got to change your mind. you got to let his words find a home in your heart and find find a good, solid ground to be planted in so that they will grow up And then all of a sudden, instead of doing what you know you should do, you do what you were born to do. That that nature, you have the very nature of God himself on the inside of you. Every believer has the nature of God. But if you don't allow his word to get planted and rooted there so that it can produce fruit out of your mouth and out of your actions then you'll just be stuck and frustrated in life because you know in your head, well, the Bible says this, I know that's true, and I, I got a witness of the Spirit that, that it's true, but you don't ever experience it. So you got to give, make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. Open your heart to God and let Him do something. He will never hurt you. He will never condemn you. He doesn't have bad motives. You get so used to just dealing with people and how people treat you and people act How about making room for the Lord? You know, no condemnation, but that's just evidence that you don't get into the presence of God enough to be more conscious of Him and more aware of Him and how He is that He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God, in Him do I trust. All right, Psalm 27. This is our opening to prayer. I got it right here, but I I like it in my other Bible because I have it... My highlights are precious to me because my highlights came from, come from revelation of the word. So God himself will show you and open your spiritual eyes to see things. And so when he does that, I don't like to let him get away. I normally write them in my journal and I also highlight them in my Bible. 
So then my Bible becomes that much more precious to me because this is God speaking to me. In time of trouble, he gives me words. Those words surround me like a shield, a a supernatural shield of protection from all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The word of God. Remember? Ephesians chapter 6. Shield of faith. Where's faith come from? Hearing the word. You hear the word. You have revelation of the word. And you take that and that is your shield. When these fiery darts try to come to penetrate, you put up that shield of faith. Those darts cannot penetrate, cannot get into your heart. You are under the protection of Almighty God, the eternal word that cannot change. Everything else is subject to change. That word will never change. So you hold up that shield of faith right at the enemy. And those darts, those darts are still going to come, but they hit that shield of faith. They will not penetrate you. He has given us everything that we need for life and, through, and for godliness through knowing him, Jesus Christ. He is the word, right? Through knowing the word, everything for, that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Well, the knowledge of him, it, it means like an intimate heart knowledge. It means acknowledging him. It's so easy just to acknowledge the problem. Well, you know this and this and this and this. And before you realize it, you're just magnifying the problem. Well, you just learned how to magnify God. Talk about every way he could deliver you. Every way you've heard him deliver other people. He's no respecter of person. If he did it for one, he'll do it for another. So you just, you just don't let the devil beat you up because what he'll do is he'll put his foot out and he'll trip you and he'll say, it's your fault you fell. And then what he'll do is that your problem is not the mistake that you made or that happened to you. That's not your problem. You think, this is really horrible. This is really bad. That's not the problem. The problem is how you reacted. Because you have a choice. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But how do you respond to that trouble? Oh, now they're going to repossess my car. Now they're going to repossess this and we're going to have no place to live and, uh, you know, I'm going to lose my job and I don't... All in reaction to one little thing. You lost your phone. (laughs) Oh, man. I've been embarrassed at myself sometimes when I lost my phone. Like, is it really that important to you? You think you lost your child or something. You might actually do better because you lost your phone. (laughs) All right, so let's read this. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You ought to say this, especially if you feel like it's not true. You just say it. Say it right in the face of the devil. Say it right in the face of fear. Say it right in the face of worry. The Lord is my light. Right in the midst of darkness, you say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
<laughs> you know, Dad Hagen said, I have found this to be true. When I boldly confess, then and then only do I possess. When I boldly confess. That's the only time I possess. When I boldly confess. That's the only time I possess. When I boldly confess, that's the only time I possess. So yeah, when everything's falling apart, everything looks like it's failing, everything looks like it's wrong, that's the time you should be the most bold. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host would encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Well, you might have a host encamping against you. Like you've got a host of problems, a host of bills, a host of, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I'm not clear on the direction I'm supposed to take, a, a, a host of relationship challenges. You, you might have a host encamped against you. Then shall I not fear. Why? I lost my place. My heart shall not fear. Though war would rise against me, in this will I be confident. This is a spirit of faith in written form. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he will hide me. He will set me upon a rock. That reminds me, uh, he said uh, uh, to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, you'll be called Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Well, Peter was kind of like a, anything but a rock to that point. So just like God, he called those things which be not as though they were. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. When, you could say, when there was no hope, Abraham believed in hope. Like when it looked like there is no hope, Abraham like, there is hope. I believe there is hope. What kind of man does that? The natural man says when there is no hope, says there is no hope. <laughs> the natural man, when he feels weak, says I feel weak. But the spiritual man, who's a spiritual man? One that is born again. The spiritual man says when they feel weak, they say I'm strong. When they look at their finances and they see poor, they say, I am rich. They have sickness in their body attacking them. They see sickness in their body. They say, I am well. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. Let the bound say, I'm free. But the natural man just says what he sees. He's a man dominated by feelings and senses. Thomas natural human faith. That man is not blessed. Thomas, Jesus said to Thomas, you see and you believe because you touch and you feel. 
but blessed are they which have not seen yet do believe. Oh, you get such a blessing when you live by faith. You are so blessed when you live by faith. <laughs> Sometimes we think our biggest problem is the devil, but a lot of times our biggest problem is right underneath our nose. A lot of times we are our biggest problem. Because if we don't have an adjustment in our thinking, the Lord cannot deliver to us what Jesus already did. He wants to, but your mind must be changed. Why? Well, because if your mind is not changed, you'll say like, uh, I think the healing that the Bible talks about is the wisdom of doctors. I don't want to insult any doctors, but I almost have trouble putting those in, in the same sense. But doctors are practicing and learning, and we thank God for them because many people would not be here if it weren't for the doctors. But any honest doctor will tell you they can't heal anything. They put your body in a position to be healed, but they actually cannot heal. They are not the healer. They're practicing. So you just want to make sure they have lots of practice. If they're going to practice on you. So I have you know, Dr. Avery Jackson, you know, not a close friend, but a friend acquaintance, wonderful man, thankful, you know, neurosurgeon, wonderful. But he will tell you, he cannot heal you. Only the Lord can heal you. Let me finish this real quick. Hopefully we get beyond the prayer. Okay. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he'll hide me. He will set me upon a rock. And now will my head be lifted up above my enemies around about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. If you look in the margin of your Bible at the word joy, you know what it says? Shouting, hallelujah. <laughs> sacrifices of shouting. In your tabernacle, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good God. Thank you in the midst of my enemies surrounding me. Oh, that you lift up my head above so I don't see myself underneath. I actually see myself above. Greater is those with us are those with us than those that are with the enemy. This is just a marvelous opportunity to see your goodness and your mercy come through and be delivered unto me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to shout. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you have delivered to us your precious words. Father, open hearts right now to the reality of the power of your words, of the preciousness of your words, and your presence of the deliverance that's in your words and the leading and guiding and direction that's in your words. Thank you for causing your words to come down from generation to generation to us here today in this place that we can have, and we do have, the most solid foundation, the most solid ground to act on, which is your word. 
Father, thank you that the entrance of your words brings us light and understanding. I pray that you give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation unfolding and opening up a seeing and a taking note, a noticing uh, of the reality and the truth of who you are and what you have done, not only for others, but right home, right here, right home in us specifically. Father, that our spiritual understanding, our spiritual eyes would be flooded with light and revelation and understanding. Father, thank you for the place that you've called each of us to stand in and to fulfill. Thank you that we're not under the power of darkness because of your word, because you delivered us with your word. Stir your word in our hearts. Grant us boldness that we may speak as we ought to speak and declare what we ought to declare. And command the forces of darkness to flee and the force of darkness is to, to go. And thank you, Father, that we're not under the dominion of darkness. Oh, but we're under the dominion of mercy. We're under the dominion of grace. We're under the dominion, hallelujah, of your mercies that are new every day, every morning. Thank you that you're full of grace, full of mercy, full of help, full of confident expectation. That you're full of faith, that you believe in your power in us and through us. That you believe, hallelujah, that what Jesus did is more than enough for us to take dominion and uh, regain, hallelujah, ground that the devil has stole. Father, thank you. Your ways are not man's ways. Your ways are higher. Thank you, Father, that they're not afar off, but they are ways that you have ordained for us to enter into and live from <laughs> and live in the midst of. Father, we thank you for your ways, your heavenly ways, your holy ways. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that he alerts us to the things that we need to know and he alerts us to the direction that we need to go. Father, we thank you for the times and seasons that we live in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alert every heart. Hallelujah. Alert every heart. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. We are your army. Hallelujah. Living, sustained, invigorated, revived by your life, by your nature. Hallelujah. Quickened by your spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Father, open spiritual eyes to see and to know. Hallelujah. Thank you for boldness to stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this, these times, these seasons that are coming upon us. Great, great times and glorious times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In the church, glory. Hallelujah. In the church, your glory. In the church, your glory. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. This is a year of supernatural visitation from the Lord. Amen. This is a year of supernatural visitation from the Lord. So you don't have to do a lot, but you have to be available. And uh, look into these things. So you're of supernatural visitation from the Lord. Pastor Mark prophesied that at the last meeting, just this first, he always has a meeting the first of the year. Um, the Bible says, believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe his word, so shall you be established. So, uh, I'm excited. Supernatural visitation. Supernatural visitation. Well, you go up into the presence of the Lord and it changes what you see. It changes how you see. It changes what you look with. In other words, just a natural eye, just a natural sense, or a supernatural eye and a supernatural awareness, right? <laughs> not just a few, not just a few, not just a few, not just a few. It's not for just a few, it's for all of you. It's not just a few. There is no special member of the body of Christ because everyone is special. No one has a corner on God except for him that makes room for the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Not just a few. Not just a few. I can't get off of that. Not just a few. It's not just a few. When you gather in, not just a few, don't gather just a few. Don't gather just a few. There's a multitude. Not just a few. Not just a few. Somebody said, well, I just need a little blessing. No, you need a lot of blessing. You need everything that the Lord provides. I mean, it came at the price of the blood of Jesus. His suffering, literal suffering, and not just physical suffering, but actual spiritual suffering. It was laid on him, on his spirit. The weight of every sin, the weight of every sickness, every disease, and really the source of every sin, every sickness, and every disease. In fact, 2 Corinthians said that he actually became sin itself for you. 
Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. There was a reason he became sin. You are the reason. You mean it's your fault? Well, yeah, you can think about that, but there that verse is talking about so that you might be made the righteousness of God in him so that you may approach God himself and the life that you live without any smell or stench of sin or failure or mess up, but you go in to the presence of God and you go into your job and you go to your family and to your house and to your car with the same sense of purity and holiness that Jesus Christ himself would go if he were in your shoes. And whether you recognize it or not, he's in your shoes. <laughs> I read this, uh, I read this, um, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Oh, it, it, it just lit my fire. P.C. Nelson was talking about the Apostle Paul. And I'm reading a book about the Apostle Paul from P.C. Nelson. So the very first chapter, he says, as we look with admiration at Paul, let us remember that we are gazing at the Christ who was revealed to him and in him. So I'm so thankful for Paul, and I'm, I'm really thankful for spiritual father that I personally knew and was trained by Kenneth Hagin. But you know, anything good that I received from him was actually not from him. That was the only points he yielded to the Lord and let the Lord flow through him. So what we're gazing at when we gaze and look into the ministry of an anointed woman or man of God is the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus carries the anointing. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the lifter of your soul, the lifter of your head. It's all about Jesus. I'm thankful for men and women of God who yielded to the Lord because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for people who obeyed God. But I wouldn't be here at all if it weren't for God. Because, like Paul said, what do any of us have that we have not received? We have nothing that we have not received. Well, if we can receive it, if I can receive it, if he can receive it, you can receive it, you can receive it. If he ever did it for one person, he wants to do it for you. Praise the Lord. Well, stand with me if you would. I, I didn't get to the first scripture of the message. Well, I, that's a lie. I didn't get to the first scripture of that message. Uh, but we did the scripture of the message for today. Praise the Lord.
You know, uh, you ever hear me say, I plead the blood of Jesus? That is in Romans 3.25. Through faith in his blood. That's applying faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in the blood of Jesus. Remember the Old Testament? They, um, when the death angel was coming, the final plague, the death angel was coming. What'd they have to do? Well, they had to apply blood on the doorposts of the house. And if the death angel saw the blood, he would what? Pass over. Therefore, they celebrate the Passover. But it was because of the blood. Well, what was those doorposts? Those doorposts were the entrance to that dwelling place. What was, what was on the other side of those doorposts? The family was on the other side of those doorposts. So when you plead the blood of Jesus over your family, over your life, you're saying the entrance to the most intimate places where your family dwells is protected by the blood. That he will protect your dwelling place. But he'll protect your dwelling place in the presence of the Lord. He'll tr protect your dwelling place in the presence of your family. So, so we have faith in the blood. So when I say I plead the blood of Jesus, I'm saying I'm applying faith in his blood. I'm saying, you know, if I plead the blood of Jesus over Sharon, I'm saying deal with Sharon according to what the blood of Jesus has done on her behalf. Show her mercy according to the blood. Give her grace according to the blood. In other words, she doesn't, She's very humble. She doesn't know everything. But I plead the blood of Jesus over her. So if she thinks she does, that blood actually reaches to that place and protects you. And it'll bring revelation. You'd be like, oh, wait a second. You know, the word will reveal that. We talked about that last week in Hebrews chapter 4. The word is uh, uh, sharp and powerful. Dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So all of a sudden that word will come and you'll be like, whoa. You'll realize, whoa, I thought I was doing that. I didn't realize I was doing that. I wasn't doing that, you know, or vice versa. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. He died on the cross. He shed his blood, gave up his life so that you could come into his family. Jesus is still alive. He, you know, he, he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. And there is an empty tomb over there in uh, Jerusalem because Jesus is alive. And he wants to come and make his home on the inside of you, in your heart. That you'll never be alone again. And really take you out of the kingdom of darkness puts you in the kingdom of light. In Romans, we read and learn that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say that with your mouth, not just as something to say, but you're, you're saying, I believe that and I receive Jesus as my Lord, that he'll come and recreate you on the inside. You actually get a fresh start. There are do-overs in life. And there is a fountain of youth. 
because in your spirit, you're renewed day by day. So if you're here this morning or maybe you're joining us online, I'm going to give you an opportunity with every head bowed, every eye closed. Just slip up your hand if you'd like to make Jesus your Lord. If you'd like to turn your life over to him. Or maybe you have turned your life over to Christ, but other things came in. You got distracted and, you know, you inadvertently or maybe purposely went away from the Lord. Uh, you can come back right now. The devil will deceive you always, and he wants to make you feel like you're so far away. That's a lie. Just, just one turn towards the Lord from your heart. Boom, you're right back. Put the robe of righteousness on you. Put a ring on your finger. We'll have a feast and a celebration. Just slip up your hand if you want to come back. Maybe online you can slip up your hand if you want to come back. If you want to receive Jesus as Lord or even come back, let's just pray this prayer. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son. That he died on the cross to take away my sins. And to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. My Savior. I'm not living my life for me any longer. I'm living my life for you. Father God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me and for making me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen.